Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Basketball season is finally here, Big 12 fans. And for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Metz. Today, I promised it earlier this week, actually just yesterday, um, but we are delivering. This is a Kansas women's basketball episode. Not very often that we do these, but look, this women's team, as I've said a couple times, is the best Kansas team in over a decade, um, doing some absolutely phenomenal things. It's crazy to think that Coach Brandon Schneider just a couple years ago was having to fight off chatter if maybe he should have been fired and then COVID year happened and now this year they're coming hot out of the gates. It's an absolutely fantastic season, but we do have an opponent coming up doing a game preview for the Texas Tech matchup that is coming up this weekend, uh, an opportunity for Kansas to keep it rolling. Uh, you know, Hopefully, Holly Kirschgeter comes back soon, but to help me preview this game and kind of talk about the Big 12 Conference as a whole, it is Jeremy, Jeremy Gillen of, I, I said your name horribly wrong, I, so I apologize. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I should have double checked before we started because normally I do. And I just like got so excited to talk about this. Well, thing. reading it is so. what ruins it. Reading it is what ruins it. Right. So it's just like Gillen, Dylan right? with a G. Yeah, okay. So Gillen. Gillen. Because we were over on the 10, 12 together. And I was like, I thought I remembered that's what we had said. But then I sat there and started to read it. And it's like, oh, but anyway, Jeremy Gillen from the Tortilla and Takes podcast, one of the excellent people they have over there covering all of Texas Tech sports. How are you doing today, Jeremy? Andy, good morning, beautiful. There's no better way to wake up on a Wednesday than to sit down and do some podcasting with you, talking basketball. Uh, I do want to clarify before we get started, opponents with quotations. We will have warm bodies out there, but I don't know if it's necessarily <laughs> going to be the the threat the thrumble like throwdown we're terror doming it that you are hoping for. I think uh, well, Kansas well, now, is going to have. Now wait a minute, you guys do have Vivian Gray, so like sure. it's not. I mean, I mean, Kansas State has. 
Aoka Lee and then a bunch of other players that are trying to figure oh, out what we don't have to do it. Yeah, so. we don't have to. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but like, so, so what I'm saying is, you know, you have a really good player in Vivian Gray. And, and we were talking before we got started here. You know, this is this is probably a by by normal standards. This is probably a fairly talented Texas Tech team, isn't it? It's just a matter of unfortunately, the rest of the conference is so fantastically good that it makes you wonder you know, how good your team actually is when they're facing some of the best teams in the country. You, yeah, let me give you the, let me give you the heartbeat on Texas tech here. We have come into a new coach in coach Gerlich, which for uh, your listeners who are probably not familiar, Texas tech women's basketball won a championship back in 1993 under Marsha Sharp. Now we have a highway named after her as you know, as those things go in Lubbock and um, Krista Gerlich was one of the athletes on that team um, to help kind of secure that national championship ring. And now she is coaching, which is kind of an ideal scenario for Texas Tech fans to have Texas Tech greats come back. It didn't work out with Cliff Kingsbury, but we're hoping it works out with uh, Coach Gerlich. And so um, she, in the wake of kind of the mess that was left in the previous coaching staff, has brought in a lot of players from the portal. Uh, you know, her, her daughter, Bryn Gerlich, we've brought in, you know, Hattie Faye, we've gotten Vivian Gray, a, a lot of others, Lexi Hightower, and all of this promising talent that has been good elsewhere, not the mirrored image that the men's basketball pro- uh, program has had, where we bring in really good talent and it, it succeeds. Coach Gerlich's having a harder time getting these ladies to gel together. So you bring up Vivian Gray, excellent All-American style player. I mean, she dropped 32 on you guys last time around but we still lost you know 71 57 so you can have all the talent in the world if it's not all clicking together it doesn't you know it doesn't matter (laughs) well and it's it's kind of funny because you talk about that last game that was a game where i think a lot of kansas players finally came into their own um Mm. you know kansas kansas at that point had been playing fairly well things weren't you know clicking exactly the way that you wanted them to um but you started to see tyana jackson really started to 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 really exert her presence down low Holly Kersgeeter, like coming into the year, Kansas was expected to be Holly Kersgeeter, maybe Zakiya Franklin kind of doing some things you need to develop to, to develop some people down low. You have a whole bunch of international players that are all coming together and trying to like gel. And the real big question was, you know, be, be, because the, the big storyline coming out of last year was that because of COVID and because of, you know, injuries, Kansas had to play up to five different players out of position all year long. And so it was one of those things where, like the expectation was this is this this is the the lineup that they want to have this is the system they want to play and people are actually going to be in the correct locations now and playing the correct positions like it needs to gel but there was a lot of question marks there was a lot of yeah. you know worries about are they going to fit the way they need to are people going to really kind of do what they need to do bringing in Julie Brousseau for Kansas you know as a, as a senior transfer was absolutely phenomenal for this team giving them that that you know kind of leader veteran leadership and outside presence was really, really helpful for this team. And even though she's not like one of the leading scorers, she she definitely has a presence. It seems like she takes either her or Holly Kurzgeeter takes every single opening possession as a three-point shot from one of those two, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But I think that's the way that they designed it on purpose. Um, so, but a lot of other people stepped up. Anaya Thomas, Zakaya Franklin, a, a bunch of other players really started to step up. And that, I think that was the game that set them on the trajectory that they have. Now, it, it helps that they haven't had to play nearly as many of the um you know as of the the top of the conference teams in that stretch you know that really helps but that texas win they had prior to that gave them all the confidence in the world that they needed to say hey we can play with the best teams in the conference and really kind of set that expectation of we really should be playing better night in and night out and and it, it it's come through unfortunately texas tech was like kind of the first team to really 
deal with that because I, yeah. I think I, I believe it was the same week as the Baylor game where you know Kansas almost upset Baylor at home and then Texas Tech was the team coming in later that well week. you had Kansas State that you had Kansas State oh, after Baylor that's yeah right. remember that's right. so Texas Tech had to deal with the wrath of losing in Manhattan two games in a row yeah so yeah so you talk about that I mean I, I've kind of watched Kansas at a distance this year and after that texas win i mean texas tech also had a win against texas that that's just such a good motivator for the team but then you almost you almost sneak one past baylor and then you lose but you lose to kansas state and then of course the uh there needs to be some kind of name for this law but you lose so many in the big 12 women's or men's like the the next team coming it doesn't matter they're gonna get smacked like that's just the nature of the beast here Oh, yeah. And then only after losing against Iowa State, you guys go on this tremendous six-game win streak. And, uh, you know, if you look at the schedule, it's Texas Tech, and then you've got the gauntlet to end the season. But, like, for me, looking at Kansas this year, just the eye test, um, you're, you're, of course, going to be a little bit more invested than I am. Like, Kansas has every opportunity. You're only sitting, you know, a game and a half behind. Let me make sure I'm sure. Yeah, a game and a half behind Iowa State. Right. And with, you know, you got Iowa State again, and um, Iowa State, Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma to finish the season. You know, you sneak three or four out of those and you hope Iowa State ends up losing. I mean, you're you're in the running to finish a lot better in the conference than you thought you would at the beginning of the season, which oh, is yeah, a great sure. place to be. Well, well, kind of talking about expectation beginning of the year, Texas Tech was, uh, you know, tied for eighth in the preseason poll. Kansas was dead last. Uh, I don't think anybody really expected anything from this team. But again, it was kind of those open questions and not really playing very well last year. The other thing that's kind of fair to talk about, and I was talking on Twitter with some people about this, is that. You know, look, Brandon Schneider had not done very much at all with this team. You know, there was a lot of expectations, I think, coming in. COVID year kind of gave him a reprieve from that, and that allowed this Kansas team to really come together in jail. Um, it is definitely, though, one of those things. This was a, a surprising – like, I think the expectation was that Kansas was going to have to, to, you know, play fairly well before now just to try to stay in the middle of the pack against – or, I'm sorry, to stay around 500 – you know, with these final four games. And it's kind of funny because that's probably still the case. You know, Kansas is, uh, you know, that they are fourth in the big 12, but if they were to lose out after this Texas tech game, like they would be right around 500 again, which isn't necessarily a horrible thing though, looking at who all they're playing, you know, you're looking at the other legitimate top, you know, four teams in the conference. Um, And so like Texas is definitely making a move at this point. And so None, none of those games are gimmies, but I also think that every single one of those games, Kansas has a decent shot of winning. So um, I am really excited about the end of the season. I know that I am going to try to make every effort I can to get over and actually watch them in person. And if you guys are listening to this, you probably should too. Uh, unless you're a Texas Tech fan, then I, I don't I don't blame you for not wanting to come up to Lawrence to try to go to a, Kim, a KU <laughs> basketball game. So, um, but no, I mean, so so looking at this game though, you know, um, Texas Tech. Obviously, we've talked about Vivian Gray, but. Uh-huh. Uh, who, who else on this roster has been like the main contributors? Who are other players that, that Kansas fans should expect to hear about in the game coming up? Man, so if you go back to that first game against Kansas, you were talking about the Jayhawks starting to gel when they, you know, smacked Texas Tech. Uh, and, and, of course, the star show, star on that show for the Lady Raiders is Vivian Gray. But outside of that, I mean, Riley McKinney is somebody who's come in and been an elite three-point shooter when she does take shots. Uh, Brent Gerlich is starting to come into her own. It's the daughter of Krista Gerlich, um, the coach. Uh, Taylor Thomas is one of our forwards who progressed like through this year has gotten a little bit better every game and has kind of found her shot late here in the season, which is great. Um, but a little too late for me. Hattie Faye is somebody who I want you guys to kind of lock in on because Hattie Faye 
went went down with an injury a couple of games ago. And this this program is so frustratingly um, private about injuries, private about what's going on that, uh, you know, for us to do our job well, we're kind of living in the world of speculation. Like uh, last game, you know, Lexi Hightower was out with injury uh, for a while. And I said, you know what? I think she's going to come back this game. And Albie and Kinsey are like, eh, I don't really think so. You know, how could you ever know? Well, I was just, you know, throwing it to the wind. Right. And, and sure enough, she was out there. Um, and so it's just like, I have no idea. Hattie Faye, though, if somebody uh, for Jayhawk fans need to kind of pay attention to, because Hattie Faye is really a really good facilitator and a big body under the basket for the Lady Raiders. And so um, for her to to be in this game, I mean, she had nine rebounds total last game um she has gotten better since then but then she went out with that injury uh seemed minor but she's continued to be out again the privacy of this program is frustrating because Hattie Faye is somebody who gets you a lot of second chance looks and the way that this offense runs is very chaotic um we are not really uh, something I was thinking about before we got on is that you know the Jayhawks have been really good at running the floor um with a bunch of different players like the transition offense is tremendous something that texas tech has gotten very bad at through the season is transition defense <laughs> so oh uh yeah so it's kind of a recipe for disaster and on the opposite end our our offense we hit the panic button early and that means for when i'm saying that what I, what i mean is that you know we go through vivian gray because she's somebody who can get a bucket she's somebody who can, who can impress she has a lot of uh mental toughness. She has a lot of physical toughness under the basket. Um, she's somebody who can get you a bucket and you know, 30 plus points in the last game. Tremendous. But the problem is if you're not facilitating through other players like Riley McKinney, like Brent Gerlich, like Taylor Thomas, um, the points just get kind of sucked up and you leave a lot to be desired. Cause when Viv doesn't make a basket, you know, we don't have Hattie Faye under the end of the goal right now to help get that rebound and facilitate out to somebody else. So then it just goes into the transition offense. And then that's where we're seeing teams pick up a lot of points against Texas tech is in that failure of, uh, and, you know, Viv Gray can pick up 30 points, but she'll miss 10 baskets. And that's, that's, you know, might as well be 20 points for the other team. Right. Like you talk about, you know, her sucking up a lot of the offense. You look the last time that these two teams played, you know, she scored 32 points, but it was on 22 shots along with free throws. Like, she took a lot of shots to do it. And when you do have a main threat like that, Kansas state went through a, a stretch like this as well, where they were over relying on a Yoko Lee uh, where, you know, if she didn't score and, and Vivian Gray kind of the same way, if she doesn't score, there's not much else going on, but teams can key in on her and make it harder for her to score. And if no one else was really a threat to, you know, take the game over and, you know, go on a little hot streak and, and go on a little bit of a run, then yeah, occasionally get points here and there when it's just completely wide open, but for the most part, you don't really have to worry about it. And so it makes it a lot easier to play on defense. Um, unfortunately, it seems like that's happened quite a bit with Texas Tech. Um, and one of the reasons I think that Kansas has been so successful this year, because they haven't done that. Like they have not relied on an individual player. They have kind of spread it around. You definitely have individuals that, you know, um, that are big in certain roles and have very well-defined roles. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to the, you know, assuming that Hattie Faye is playing um, seeing how well she she stands up to a player like Tiana Jackson. Um, I, that, to me, kind of looking at what was going on without without knowing exactly, like I was trying to figure out who on the roster was going to be that matchup. Um, because Tiana Jackson has been absolutely killing it down low in the last few games. Um, it sounds to me, from what you're saying, that, that Hattie Faye could probably 
to stand up to her, assuming that she's on the court and is, and is, you know, completely healthy. Um, I'm wondering but, though, how much that is going to determine how this game goes. Yeah. So that, so how do you face kind of my pick? Um, I know that uh, around our pod, like Ella to- uh, Tofeono is another center that we have. She's six, five, she's a junior. I mean, she's averaging six points this season. She, the rebounds are a little bit lower, but I think Tafayono does a really good job offensively and Hattie Faye is a better defense. Like we don't have the perfect blend here. And so the matchup I think is going to end up being, if, you know, Hattie Faye doesn't play, we'll see, uh, is Ella Tafayono. Uh, and she, I mean, she's a big body. She's six, five, but I think her, the lack that she has is kind of that defensive aggressiveness under the basket that, Hattie Faye has that bully mentality. You know what I'm saying? Um, like she's got the body, like she's got the body and reach for it. I don't think mentally she is as aggressive as Faye is. And so for that matchup, it, it's going to be a little bit more bleak for Texas tech side, even with Tafayano. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it sounds like that unfortunately might be the issue because that's where Kansas has feasted is when they can push people around down low and they can get a bunch mm-hmm. of offensive rebounds that way. Um, the other problem too, is that even if Tyana Jackson isn't getting the rebounds, She's been really good about getting a body on the uh, on, on the opposing big and blocking them out well enough that guys or that that players like Chandler Prater or Iona Hatsileonti. I actually got it right for once. I'm I'm actually amazed with myself right now. Um, look, I've been I've been saying it for like four weeks. Like as I'm getting ready to get on pod, just repeating there it over and over and over again. You got to got it. I have yeah, them written exactly. down in front of a little post-it note on the phonetics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I have the exact same thing. Uh, but no, it's, so it's it's one of those things though. Those two players pick up a lot more rebounds than they normally would. But I, like, I, I almost wish there was like an, a rebound assist kind of, you know, mm. uh, stat that you metric, could yeah. because there are so many times where it's just wide open for them to get easy rebounds because the person that would normally be getting those rebounds is nowhere near the post because yeah. Jackson's just completely, you know, washed them out at that point. So um, I think that's going to be one of the big things is, is Kansas getting extra point or extra opportunities because Jackson's able to kind of uh, you know, push the post outside of the post, or, you know, is it going to be something where Texas tech is, is really able to, um, you know, stay strong and limit the chances that Kansas gets to have a second chance there. Um, obviously, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit before um, Holly curse Dieter. Actually, I don't know if we, if we said it while we were recording, but we were talking mm-hmm. before Holly, Holly curse Dieter actually did go down uh, in the game against West Virginia on Tuesday night, there is no information. You talk about not really getting much information. Uh, unfortunately, with a with a fan base that's rabid as KU men's basketball fans, nobody really pays too much attention to the women's basketball, and so they've kind of been able to do a similar sort of thing where we don't really hear much, um, you know, unless they they really want us to know. So, I have no idea if Kirsty is going to be able to play, but if she doesn't, that opens up some opportunities for some other people. But um, what about out on the perimeter? Because yes, Kirschgeter is is a good player is would, would definitely be missed. But I think Kansas showed in this game against West Virginia that they have plenty of other players in Anaya Thomas, Sakaya Franklin, um, you know, uh, uh, Julie Brousseau, like they have players that can fill in and can play admirably, even if Chris Geter's not available. Chris Geter only played nine, nine minutes in that game and Kansas did just fine. So I don't know how much of that was West Virginia or how much that is just the rest of the team really kind of stepping up, but out on the perimeter, who are the main people that, uh, especially defensively, are going to try to take away what the Jayhawks are trying to do? Yeah, so I knew you were going to ask this question. I think that <laughs> that's been so. If if transitional defense is Texas Tech's number one problem, uh, the second problem is defending beyond the arc or defending near the arc. The the jump balls for us have been terrible all season. Um, I think those are, those that, are two pretty big problems to have, Jeremy. 
Well, I mean, we've been on, we've lost one, two, yeah, three, four, five, six, seven, seven games in a row uh, because I think teams have locked in on, you know, what are two that's things true. Texas Tech is bad at. Uh, and so that's kind of led into that. So, but the thing, eh, I'm trying to think back to, so a game that I want to pull back to memory, if like we're talking about Texas Tech as it can be, um, when we played Baylor earlier in the season, Baylor was ranked 11th. Um, they started off that game. Uh, Baylor came out in the first quarter, 29, 14. They were making all of, they were making every shot that they took scoring, you know, almost scoring 30 points in a one quarter is like traditional Baylor women's basketball. Um, what changed in the second, like they scored less points every quarter after that. And we almost snuck one out. Um, what changed is that the close down, the ability to close down, on the perimeter. And I think the, some of the main people that did that were Bryn Gerlich. I think Taylor Thomas did a really good job at doing that. Lexi Hightower did a good job at doing that. Vivian Gray, although she can get a bucket, is pretty aggressive. I think defensively has become a lot more aggressive at Texas Tech, which, I mean, if that's going to be our brand, baby, bring it on. Um, but I think Gerlich has done a really good job at creating chaos on the outside more than most. Um, and again, this is another problem that we have where if Gerlich, or excuse me, uh, Vivian Gray starts to be that one player that the, the, you know, offensive and defensive guru for our team, other people get a little bit more lax. Like uh, I understand right. that uh, Riley McKinney can be really good defensively, but I think she can miss a lot of assignments whenever the ball goes out, Vivian Gray attacks, uh, but then they switch. And then, you know, Riley McKinney is kind of caught looking because she thought, ah, you know, that was going to be, that was going to happen. And so we just can't kind of got caught again, uh, being a little lazy, and I hate to say it like that because I know that they are out there trying. Um, defensively, a lot of the mismatches are not necessarily mismatches as much as we're just not picking up assignments. We're just not picking up our assignments. And then a lot of teams get open looks. And so, you know, it's it's not that this team isn't isn't good defensively. It's that we're just not gelling. And at this point in the season, it's not like a oh, we're just getting to know each other. It's like, this is just not working. And I can't see a time where it does work. The Where it has worked, we've had really good games, like that Baylor game. You know, we lose 88 to 80, but that's, you know, those points are at the very end for Baylor, like to survive. Um, and against a game like, against a team like Texas Tech, you're like, oh, geez, Baylor kind of looks bad. Uh, but the reality is that Texas Tech has the talent on, uh, Texas Tech has the talent down their roster. The problem has been everybody buying in at the same time. Yeah, well, and and I mean, I think it's something that we've seen in the entire Big 12 this year is that like yeah. even the teams that are at the bottom of the conference, you know, West Virginia, Texas Tech, uh, TCU to some extent, like those are talented teams that do have players. They just have not been able to be consistent and put it together, you know, from start to finish. Um, but, you know, this is such a such a competitive conference that I think it's really kind of raised the the level for everybody involved. I mean, you have. You know, uh, I mean, you have so many teams that are just up there at the top of the conference that are really fighting. And I, I mentioned this over on 10, 12, and I wrote about it over on Blue Wings Rising as well. Like this is if if the if the standings finish as closely packed as they are, this is the first time since I believe it was 2008 where more than one team finished within three games of the leader. Like we are we are we are at a point where this is a ridiculously competitive conference. Um, you know, Kansas, they or I'm sorry, not Kansas, the, the Big 12, they actually talked about on the Kansas game last night. The Big 12 is the only conference that has four teams in the top 16, you know, that like that bracket preview. So, like, this is a a super deep t- uh, conference at the top. 
but it's also a very deep conference, not quite to the level of the men's side, but it's still an extremely deep conference here when you have, you know, a team in, uh, well, I mean, you really, you're really seven, seven teams deep at this point, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's great to see all the competition. It's unfortunate that, you know, um, some team has to be at the bottom of it and honestly look like a lot worse than they probably actually are. Um, you know, it's similar to what we're seeing on the men's side where you could actually look at the quality of the teams at the bottom of the conference. And I'd probably put oh, them I was saying the middle of most teams or uh, yeah, the, the middle of most other conferences. Yeah. So like, so like on the, just like on the men's side where like you look at Iowa state, they are struggling in conference. Um, but you know, if you drop them in something like, I don't know, like the Pac-12, I honestly think that they probably would be, you know, top four in, in the Pac-12. They have, one, they have some of the most, I think they have one of the most quad one wins of the season still. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're really close. I think I, I think there's like three teams in the Big 12 that are up in like the top 10. Uh, yeah. and, and Iowa State, I believe, is one of them. So, yeah, it's absolutely crazy just how deep the men's side is, but we're seeing the same sort of thing over here on the women's side. And, um, you know, it's funny, all of these women's sports as they're getting more and more, exposure you know big 12 is absolutely fantastic in softball they're really good this year in women's basketball and the coverage of women's basketball is picking up it's much more available now than it ever has been Um, so it's fantastic to see the 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 big 12 as a whole be such a good conference in a lot of these sports that are starting to gain more and more exposure so all right jeremy thank you so much for coming on to preview um before we get out of here did was there anything else about this team or anything else about big 12 women's basketball that you wanted to share with everybody not necessarily. This has actually been a really exciting year, kind of as you were alluding to, for women's basketball. I think we've been at the at the bane of Baylor for it seems like a decade uh, in this in this conference. But this this season has been really great because what it shows me is that women's basketball is diversifying itself. Uh, I think a lot of the coaches around our conference are now finding new ways to win, finding new identities. Iowa State, Oklahoma, certainly looking like world beaters right now. Baylor, uh, third in the conference, certainly could. Uh, squeak out that that conference championship Kansas right now um, defying defying gravity at this point and it's a beautiful thing to see and then of course you know like you know Texas Kansas State West Virginia Oklahoma State Texas Tech TCU um, this is going to be an exciting I think this neck these next three years of basketball for the women's uh, for the women's in big 12 with the inclusion of more programs in Houston in BYU and uh, Cincinnati and UCF um, this is going to be a really like formidable time for like redefining what the Big 12 is. Oh yeah, who sure. the who the Titans of the Big 12 are uh, in the uh, you know in the future of the Big 12. And so it's just really exciting for me to see. And as a Texas Tech fan right now, I know it's bleak. Uh, Kansas fans, you don't care about what I'm about to say. Texas Tech fans is kind of bleak. But like once Vivian Gray steps off the court, I think we're going to have to we'll be forced into finding a new identity, which will be healthy for us to more play more balanced basketball and coach Gerlich, by all means is a excellent coach um, who can bring us to more of the middle of the pack uh, than we are now. So just really excited about the future of women's basketball. If you're not paying attention, start paying attention. It's a really good time to get into it right now at the end of the season. I think we're going to have a lot of really good teams in the tournament this year. Uh, the big 12 may be well represented and you'd love to see it. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and kind of to, to bring your point back to like the entire big 12 conference as a whole, I actually think that Kim Mulkey leaving, uh, Baylor was probably the best thing for the conference. Not, not just because it makes it more competitive and that, you know, and, and honestly, I, I think there's a very good chance, even if Kim Mulkey was still at Baylor this year, that Baylor might've taken a step back that mm-hmm. Iowa state and Oklahoma probably still would have be having fantastic seasons. 
Um, but it is one of those things where like if, if Mulkey was st- still here, I think the narrative nationally would be, man, what's going on with Baylor? Can Mulkey pull yeah. it out? Like, like Baylor has been the program and Mulkey herself as well. So her leaving and they're mm-hmm. naturally being a reason to start looking at other programs and start looking for what else the Big 12 has to offer has allowed the spotlight to be shown on a lot of other teams in the conference. And yeah. for people to really appreciate just how strong and how deep this conference really is. So it's been, it's, it's kind of one of those silver lining things. Yeah. It kind of sucks for Baylor fans. Cause you have to think if you're a Baylor fan, you probably wouldn't have lost some of the transfers. You'd probably be a better team at this point right now. You'd probably be, I mean, let's, let's be honest. They probably would be dominating the conference again. If you know, upset the apple cart. Although last year, Texas was very competitive as well last year. And there were some other teams that could have jumped up and, and, and kind of done some things. So like, it's not a foregone conclusion, but I do think it allowed everybody to be paying attention to a lot more teams to get a lot of that exposure, especially, you know, as Oklahoma and Texas are getting ready to leave the conference and bringing in all those new schools, it's going to give us a lot of storylines, a lot of different things for us to kind of look at and for, and, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about it. So, all right, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me. Where can everybody find your work online? You can listen to the home team here at Tortillas and Takes podcast. Uh, you can follow me at Jeremy Dane because I don't want to put my name on there for obvious reasons. Uh, but yeah, follow us closely. We're having a lot of cool interviews coming up with head coaches. I uh, can't name who right now, but we try to keep everybody uh, up to date on Texas Tech goings and comings uh, as fun as possible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I love having you guys part of the network. You know, honestly, I'm going to be completely honest. I think we actually said this when, when you guys signed on that like Tortillas and Takes was the Texas Tech podcast that Philip and I really wanted on the network because we love what you guys are doing. Love the fact that you cover all the sports because that's yeah. really what we're trying to push this year is making sure we're covering everybody. So, you know, including softball and and, you know, women's basketball and all these other sports that don't usually get all of the attention that they really do deserve. So, um yeah. You de- definitely head on over and follow them over on Twitter. You can follow all the other podcasts we have over on the 1012 network as well by following the 1012 network account at ten one two network. But that is going to do it for us today. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. So you can subscribe and get every episode as it comes out. If you give us a rating and review, five stars, nice comments would be great. Uh, you know, we, we really do bring you guys the, the, the podcast, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. Get your voice on the show. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise I'll get you on here. So, But that's going to do it. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a, it's going to be a great, 
sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm gonna try one more time. Between Two Bears. Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's gonna go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan Haybear. Uh, Sick'em Bears. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.